The Outspoken Bible. Conversations about the Word. A podcast from Scottish Bible Society. Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 9 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart and I'm joined by Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. How are you both doing today? I'm good. It's June. I love when June arrives. It's my favourite month of the year. I actually thought it was your birthday today, but it's not. I must say, yeah, my birthday is in June, but it's next week. But it's not it's not, not just why I like June. It's part of the reason. I just think June is just like a, a perfect summer month in Scotland. Mm. I'm intrigued. Why is it better than... I'm not... It's not a competition <laughs> amongst the months, clearly. Listeners, but, tell us your favourite month. But clearly, Jen, you've, you've headed towards June at, at the expense of May or July, and yes. I'm intrigued. I just, well, I think lots of flowers in my garden are just at their best in June, so that is part of it. As, and there is lots of really nice memories because my son was also born in June. My daughter's born in July, so I better watch out what I'm saying. Um, your son was I, born on your birthday. He was. Um, I mean, I know you knew that, just for the, <laughs> the benefit of our the beloved listeners. <laughs> and it's, it's right in the middle of the year. That seems ridiculous, but... No, there's there's a lot there's many months have been and many months to come, but you're not at the end and you're not at the start. It's just right in the middle. It's good. A tune oh, thing that I quite like is the light nights. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And May, that's a Scottish May has something thing. of that. Oh the end yeah. Of May, uh, amazing. I was in Sky first time ever. Everybody, uh-huh. by the way, when you confess to people, it literally is a confession that you haven't been to Sky. <laughs> people are like, what? You haven't been to Sky? It's like, and, and I'm too scared to tell them I haven't been to Lewis. And <laughs> what? Uh, I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe how light it was. Yeah. And Sky's yeah. not even the most northerly bit. I mean, the Shetlanders at the moment, they're reading their newspapers at midnight. <laughs> It always feels like nights of endless promise. That's how I always think. <laughs> <laughs> Except they do end in July. <laughs> That's my problem with July. July, it feels as though we're starting to peek over into the nights start to get a little bit shorter. I remember being in Ardnamurchan in June and it was midnight was light and bright. Beautiful. Amazing. Beautiful. Well, if you're listening from outside the land of Scotland, we would welcome you especially in our Western Isles, to come and uh, experience the light nights of May and June. Uh, thanks for that. Neil, you're doing okay? You're well? Yeah. You've been general assemblying? Yeah, I was at the general assembly. I, I've got a confession. Second confession. First confession, I've, I've only been to Sky once. Second confession, I quite like the general assembly. That's all right. No, it's of the Church that. of Scotland. Of the Church of Scotland. And the reason, I well, it does have a theatre and a drama to it. Somebody once criticised me recently they said they wanted to delete the part of the brain that I had that loved all that stuff um but secondly because it's just so good to see all the people oh that's good I I thought you were going to say because of your administrative gifting because we've talked about that before that you love the administrative I do I do I love all that stuff I I am an institutional person yep well well done for naming that I don't think that's a confession I think it's well, it's maybe a confession. It's the sensor. third. I like the General yeah. Assembly. I've not been to Sky. <laughs> I I work in institutions. I don't think these things are bad things. Uh, now, there, guess what? There's no correspondence. We've, oh. we've, this, the well of correspondence has dried up. Please. <laughs> please. Yes, please. Please do drop us an email if you're enjoying the series so far. Um, remember, if you've figured out Neil's character schema, or if you've got a question for any of us, um, the address for all of that is if you haven't committed it to memory already, outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org. Don't forget also, I haven't said this for a while, because Neil used to laugh at me for saying this, but the rating and reviewing and uh, forwarding the podcast on to other people. So this is something that you enjoy listening to. That was not me laughing at you. You used to always say that I always said the same thing about rating and reviewing, and it was what you heard on every podcast. Did I? I mean, it's probably about two years ago right now, so it's been a while. (laughs) It's that thing, isn't it? You remember the things that are done to you far more than you remember the things that you do to others. That's true. And you maybe only said it once, but I say I'm now saying, Oh, you (laughs) used to say you always said. That's right. It's only season. That's the only thing I can remember giving you a hard time. Oh, season was yeah, that's true. So if you are you you know, if you're in uh, in your podcasting app or you've got a spare moment, then do do give us a rate or review because it does help um, boost up our uh, our reach. To people beyond. Can I, can I say a little bit yes, about that, Neil? Fiona? That I am constantly <laughs> surprised, and we shouldn't be, but I am constantly surprised when people come up and say, love the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
I know it almost sounds arrogant saying that, but I, it surprises me how this podcast, I think, helps people read the Bible. And as you've just said, Fiona, if people can rate us, then the algorithms do their thing mm -hmm. and they will get it to, to more people. So please, if you're listening, please go and give us a rating on something. Yes. And it is one of those things where, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I personally find it quite difficult to promote it. Yeah. because it's us you know yeah. so for example i was struck by the fact i was preaching on sunday pentecost sunday yeah. the podcast was coming out the came out the day before acts two yep uh, we'd already done acts one and, and even within our little chat you know with a group of people who were planning the service i was slightly apologetically saying oh and if anybody wants to listen to this this yeah, might be yeah. helpful <laughs> you know it's difficult when, you, when you're involved in something isn't it so listeners this is where you come into play we would love you to to share what it is now on that topic i'm also quite interested uh, I'm, I'm trying to drum up some correspondence here i'm interested to hear what other podcasts people are listening to and partly that's because slightly selfishly um i love a new podcast suggestion <laughs> but also uh, in the interest of research so i was at the podcast show last week in london with our good friend alistair wallace who used to be part of our team on on this podcast very much a friend of the show a friend of the show i'm not sure if he still listens though because sometimes i say things and i think you should know this will this will be a good test it will be good if test. he comes up and says to you oh, i like my mention yeah exactly i think his mum maybe still listens in which case it's embarrassing she'll give him, the, she'll give him the heads up Alistair, yeah quick. i know we've really made something of that now haven't we anyway so Alistair and i were at the podcast show in london last week a big trade show uh for lots of major platforms and production companies and i was very struck by the fact that amongst the main players there really is very little in the way of faith-based podcasting happening in the mainstream podcast world so i know that there are a lot of Christian podcasts out there that are, are are just kind of doing their own thing and they're not necessarily on on the big platforms but I was quite struck by the fact there's politics there's journalism there's comedy true crime mental health business they all have the kind of big name shows but and there is definitely a burgeoning market in what I would describe as a kind of therapeutic spirituality um, but we didn't really come across any other faith based producers so outspoken listeners I, it's a kind of rallying call can you get in touch and tell us what you are listening to so christian secular everything in between and if you like you can also let us know what you'd like to hear in the christian podcast realm so that might be of interest to sbs but also um slightly selfishly to me so that's outspoken at scottishbiblesociety.org for any thoughts now neil bilha jethro aaron balaam joshua rahab jephthah's daughter Palmoni Almoni, was that his name? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Question is, who's next? Because it's time for Glover's Others. Who on earth are they? Where do they fit in? And what's their story? Glover's Others. B-list characters you really don't want to miss. Glover's Others this week is the priest Eli who we encounter in the book of First Samuel. And I love Eli because he makes mistakes, but then he gets it right. So he does it twice. The first time, um, Hannah, who will later on become the, uh, the mother of Samuel, but at this point she can't have a child. Her husband, Elkanah, doesn't quite understand. She's devastated. She's uh, baited by her, her rival, uh, who I'm just I should have checked this beforehand I think is her sister is that right can someone check that uh, anyway it's her it's the other wife and she can have children Hannah can't she's devastated she goes to the tabernacle to pray and in Shiloh and while she's there she's so upset that she looks like she's drunk and Eli the priest gets it wrong he goes up to her and says what are you babbling on about what a fool you're making of yourself and and so on and and she says, no, that's not the case. Um, I'm, I'm just devastated. I'm pouring out my, my soul. And Eli gets it. He listens and he says, may God grant you your request. And then the second time that happens is the most famous one with Eli. It's in the, temp in the tabernacle again in Shiloh when uh, the young boy Samuel is there, who's Hannah's son, so that prayer got answered. And of course, he hears that voice and he hears it several times shouting his name. He thinks it's Eli. Eli says, go back to bed. Stop making a fuss. And then the third time he gets it and he says, this must be God says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Eli gets lots of things wrong in life. His family life is, is disastrous with his sons. 
but I love him because on those two occasions with Hannah and then with Hannah's son Samuel, though he gets it wrong, he eventually gets it right. And he is able to point people to where God is in their lives. And that passage is particularly important to me because there was a particular incident that happened to me over 30 years ago where I'd made a real mess. And the person who I'd made a real mess with primarily sent me a long letter telling me all the things wrong with me. And I remember the devastation of receiving that. And then I went and read this chapter in the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I read about the priest who got the second chance and the second time he heard. And not only did that change that situation, for me, it changed the whole way I read the Bible and still read it today. So Eli is my other this week because he got it right second time. And he also pointed me towards the way to read the Bible and see our lives in it. Oh, I, I have never viewed him that way. I've always felt him quite, found him quite a sad character, but mm. that's kind of redeemed him a little bit for me mm. there. I did go and look up for Samuel 1. I, yeah. I didn't see anything there that said that Hannah and Peniel were, were related. They, they were just wives. Uh huh. Not just, just wives, yeah. but just, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool wives, yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much, Neil. That's great. Um, don't forget, people, there is the prize of a drive with Elaine Duncan. Drive with Elaine in the, in the, <laughs> the location of, a, of your choice. The country the of, of your choice. some sort of rodent that I can't really remember. Um, and a signed copy of Love, Death and Resurrection still available for anyone who can spot the connection. Come on, Hodges. We're waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, last time we were in the midst of Pentecost. And in fact, as I said, the episode dropped just around about Pentecost weekend. So hopefully that um, you, you noticed that, folks. It felt appropriate for the season. And we left the story on a high. There were 3,000 believers added on the day itself. And then the church was growing every day as people were being saved. Plus, there was this beautiful description, wasn't there, of shared life with teaching, prayer, communion, giving, worship, sharing of possessions being described. And today, it's interesting because we, we begin with what seems to be quite a simple account of a healing on the way to the temple. But as word of the growth of the church gets out, life begins to get quite complicated for the disciples. So we're talking about Acts chapter 3, verse 1, through to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. I'm saying that very carefully because in advance, Neil confessed to us that he'd forgotten we were going into chapter 4 today. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for just telling everybody. Chopped you in it. Yeah, but you'll have things to say, nonetheless. But so, but as usual, listeners, if you've not if you've not read Acts three and four for a while, then you might want to pause the podcast and do that now. So, we're outside the temple. We're at the gate, the beautiful gate. Is there significance? I mean, we, I'm not sure if either of you are able to answer this, but is there significance in the fact that it's the beautiful gate? Do you think? I hadn't thought about that at all. <laughs> I thought about lots of things about these opening verses. What, what have you thought about then? Tell, tell us that. Well, we can I, let the beautiful thing just yeah, sit. Yeah, maybe beautiful it thing is, happens at the beautiful gate. I think there's a, there's a beautiful connection that um, this is their ordinary day. It just seems like an ordinary day doing routine things. A habit of going to pray at three o'clock every day at the temple. And then that ordinary habit, God works. Mm. You know, they're in the right place at the right time and I just I felt challenged by that that it's just getting on with life and doing what needs to be done and connecting with God in that you know not, because they are going to pray yes and in that beautiful place the named beautiful something beautiful happens but you know it actually it, the whole sense that God is on the move it reminded me of Narnia Aslan is on the move yeah, yeah. You, you know totally away from that room now uh, Jesus is out there doing all the stuff that they always knew Jesus did when he was actually there, but now it's the Holy Spirit in them. It's amazing, isn't it? It's really mm. good. Mm -hmm. I was reading a thing on Robert Louis Stevenson yesterday, the, who travelled to Paris uh, to write lots of things. But he, I think, coined the phrase that movement was the great affair. And yeah. I like that. I like that expression. So it just ties mm. with what you're saying, Jen. That, Is that, that from Travels movement. with a Donkey? What's that? Is that from Travels with a Donkey? No. Did he write that? Yeah, I think so. It was about, I, I don't know, his trip to Paris, where he, it was called Inland Journeys, and I think it was a conscious decision because his family had made lighthouses 
and he was yes. fed up of the sea and cliffs. So he decided to head away from the sea inland to Paris. How interesting. But I'm sure it's a metaphor for the inner journey. Anyway, he said that movement was the great affair that, and that the river for him the or the person writing it was the idea of river, but it's this constant flow. I think it's a challenge to us in the church, isn't it? That that where's the flow? Where's the movement? Where's mm-hmm. the great change that's happening? Mm. It's like physical health, isn't it? I once met a retired respiratory surgeon on a hill in, in the Galloway Hills. <laughs> she was like 86 and she was coming down towards us. We were going up the hill struggling and she was coming down and we had a chat with her and she said, as she left us, she said, the main thing is to keep moving. And off she went. <laughs> so if it's true, if it's true for our physical, I did say that to my mum, who's now 88, and she said, yes, but I don't need to go up a mountain. That's, that's a, fair. As long as you keep moving. Um, so if it's true for our physical health, it's true for other things, isn't it? And metaphorically, that movement is, is life. Is, it, yes. is that too much to say? One of the key verbs in this whole story is leaping. Yes. Hmm. Yes. I was thinking about the leaping thing this morning. Well, let me come back to that in, in a minute. I was thinking about how odd it is. You, well, no, we might as well talk about it now. I, I was reflecting <laughs> the fact that, you know, there's that famous song, isn't there? Peter and John went yeah, to yeah, So yeah, is there any passage which is more indelibly linked with the children's song than I this one? I don't think so. Because it, it, it's very hard to read this. If you know that song, it's very hard to read this account and not start into leaping and praising God. But I was, I was thinking about the fact that because it's such an embedded children's song, Actually, when you stop and think about a grown man over 40, as it tells us, who's been there for years to, to be leaping, it, it's a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah, the fact that it's a children's song, I think, gives us a clue. It's almost doing it with children gives us the excuse. Because as a child, I used to love that song because you, yeah. you would just jump all over the place. Yeah. And here, and yet, yeah, you're right. As adults, we feel slightly awkward. We feel we ought to be a bit somber. He's like, no way. I've got these I'm working leaping. legs. I'm <laughs> leaping. I'm using them. And it's such a joyous, mm. playful detail, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. yet, what's that famous G.K. Chesterton quote about we have grown older than God or, or God is younger yeah. than us? Yes, it's that, yes. that thing about losing our youthfulness. Our childlikeness. Yeah. And actually in the NIV, mm-hmm. it's, it's jumping. Now you think about children, small children jump all the time, don't yes. they? If they can, if they can, we're not saying all children are able to jump. That would be that would be wrong. But children are able to jump, um, jump, they jump in puddles, they jump up and down with excitement, jump off things, get up as high as you can to jump off. Um, so it's it's a yeah, but we don't we just one of the other we don't skip when we're older and we don't jump when we're older. No. I know. For very good reasons sometimes. Yes. Although I noticed that June is National Skipping Month. But anyway, that's a, that's an aside. There you go. It's you June. Skip every day. Yeah, it's 100 skips a day or something. Well, I'm um, not thinking of skipping with a rope. I was thinking of that when skipping you skip. Skipping along. This, yes, it's a sort of Miranda Hart style. I, yeah. I also was struck, just while we're on the, the, the topic of the leaping, verse 11, when it says, when the man held on to Peter and John, I wondered if he was just really tired because <laughs> <laughs> of all the leaping. <laughs> You know that thing, and again, it's quite a childlike image, isn't it? When you've been running and running and running, and you're like, "Oh, got to just then lean on somebody." He's, uh, he's still wonder. clinging later on, isn't he? In mm. chapter four, mm-hmm. or is he? Mm-hmm. He's, at, he's at their feet, isn't he? Yeah, he's obviously around them, isn't he? Yeah. When this happens, so he doesn't just sort of slope off, or. Oh no! In in fourteen, he's now standing beside them. Chapter four, verse fourteen. Yes. So he's moved from clinging to well, I suppose you can cling and stand at the same time. That's true. That's true. I mean, you're not going to really want to go, let them go, are you? No. Well, exactly. But they don't and seem suppose, bothered, do they? No. Like, and there's a where else would you go sort of thing yeah. to this, yeah. isn't there? You know. Yeah. Um. That that was really interesting, but it was a slight sidetrack because Jen, I wanted to just dig in a little bit to that thing of the routine and the tradition. Mm. And I suppose one of the things I've been thinking about quite a lot in in these initial chapters of Acts is how much the the church is a is a continuation of the Jewish tradition. So so mm. I think when I approach these chapters, it can feel some of it can feel a little bit uncomfortable because it can feel that it's verging towards a kind of them and us mm. Christians and Jews. Anti. Yep. And yet, clearly, what's happening here is that you know, and we'll come to that when we come to what Peter says. Um. It, it, it's this this they would very much see this as this is the messiah this is this is the fulfillment of of what we believe mm-hmm. so they're carrying out their their lifelong religious traditions as jewish men can i just say as well that about yeah. the the link with the church christian church and judaism 
There was a really good report that was just produced by the Church of Scotland. It was launched at the General Assembly. Uh, In the mid-2010s, the Church of Scotland produced a report. I think it was called The Inheritance of Abraham. And it caused huge problems with the Jewish community. I mean, I, I, I don't think I quite understood just how upset Jewish people were by this. But what what then happened was a, a, a kind of dialogue. And what they did was rather than talk about the things that united themselves, they talked about where the divisions were. They deliberately went to the difficulty points. And a glossary has been produced of Christian and Jewish understandings of certain words like land or covenant. And for me, it's been really helpful because I'm often so terrified of appearing anti-Semitic that I just kind of back off any of these sorts of issues. Whereas this document has given me a bit more confidence to go into some of the difficult stuff, particularly around covenant, and be more authentically Christian in an understanding of knowing what the Jewish version of this is. So it's a Jewish Christian glossary and it's excellent. So we can put Are that in the show notes. S- yes, I was going to say, could you give a link to that and we can yeah. people can find that. And that's, I think it's very helpful. Uh, and also, I did actually finish the the book that you recommended previously about understanding the Jewish tradition. Uh, oh, well done! I can't remember what it was called. It was just a little book. <laughs> it was like how to understand. It was a series, wasn't it? Oh, like, was being, it Judaism very, for beginners? Or? Yes, I think it was. Yes, yeah. a I'll, short I'll introduction. Another, something like that. Yeah, yes. I'll put a, I'll put a link to that again in the show notes because it was it was good. Um, yeah, and it just it's, I I personally. I'm writing some stuff for Bible Society on Acts at the moment, and I, I, it's very enriching when you you go and delve into mm. traditional understandings and understandings of words and things. So yeah, mm. it just really aids your own study, doesn't it? Um, good. So they they get there, and this man is being carried to the temple. Yeah, mm. he's been carried, and he's lame. And John Stott, in his commentary, picks up on the fact that this is one of the passages where you're kind of aware that Luke is probably a doctor, or this is probably Dr. Luke, uh-huh. because uh-huh. you've got the fact he's lame from birth, he's been carried in, he's been, and then later on when he gets healed, we get told that his feet and his ankles are made strong. And John Stott just picks up on the fact that a doctor would be quite interested in, in all In the of specifics that. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wonder who he's carried by. Every day. What a commitment. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're not carrying him. Well, maybe they're, they're not carrying them there so he would get healed. They're carrying him no. there so he can actually live and get some yes. money. And and I yeah, the carrying. I don't. I don't think I read it first of all in the NIV. I think it does says. Uh, does it say carry? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. It does in the NIV. Yeah. yeah um, some versions are different, but brought there or put there. But there's a, such a loving care for this man. You know. Mm. There must be behind that. You don't do that every day if you don't really care. I mean, I was off work at the start of the year. Uh, you know, people weren't physically coming and carrying me. Uh, although I'd quite like that. Actually, I'd be quite nice. Um, <laughs> but um, that that spiritual, emo- emotional carrying of, of people messaging me, of people saying they were praying for me, of people coming and sitting with me, going for a walk. It, it's just so vital to to me being well now I, I uh-huh. you know I, I I just I don't think I would be here really if it wasn't for the people around about me who carried me and one friend I said oh this is so much for you helping me I didn't say carried but really she was carrying me at times and she said but one this is this is life this this is it and one day you'll be carrying me you know mm-hmm. and that may not that may not even be true that might not mm-hmm. even happen but mm-hmm. we all need to be there for each other it's, and that can sound really twee but it's actually so so important and and it's a challenge to me who who are the people right about me who need carried and am I looking out you know or am I just passing them by which yes. so many people were passing this man by yes as well as his friends that carried him they must have got past the conversation where the guy being carried somehow got over his I don't know resentment at, at needing carried or they must have got past the the conversation where they said, what can we do for you? And he was, I'm sure, did he start off as saying, oh, nothing, there's nothing you can do for me. And then eventually said, well, actually, there's something you could do. You could take me to the temple. There's there's an awkwardness about moving into that space where we carry people because, well, we don't want to be burdens Mm -hmm. and also we don't want to impose. So that there must have been a conversation that found the thing 
that could happen that didn't become resentful or didn't create a dependency or or maybe it did I don't know but I don't know there just seems I'm just you know you're talking about who was it I'm 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 thinking how did they negotiate past the awkwardness of getting into that arrangement mm-hmm mm-hmm or maybe there was good days and bad days. Maybe it wasn't. It was one thing, and then it was the other. Yeah. You know, some days maybe you didn't want to take them, and some days it was okay. And yeah. And I think that's one of the things I'm learning as well that I had this perception that you have to be well all the time for everything to be okay, or or not okay because it's not maybe not okay, but it's it's that contentedness in the midst of things not being the way you want them to be. For you know, if I'm if I'm always wanting things to be a certain way, then I'll just be deeply troubled. Yes. Um, yes, and and Jen, I think that I think that um, that works out in the small things as well as the large things. So you're talking about quite a significant time for you for the last mm-hmm. few months, but yeah. it was making me think about um, a conversation I once had around making you know making your space tidy in order to spend time with God. <laughs> So it's really mm. silly to say, but you know sometimes that kind of oh I've got things I need to do I need to put a washing on I need to mm. clean the yeah, kitchen yeah, I need yeah. to da, 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 yeah. and then I will sit down yeah, yeah. um and and you know and, and give sort of devoted time to God and I remember being challenged about that that actually God is with you in the in the mess of that so that mm. for me in that situation was a very <laughs> practical yeah, in yeah, the yeah. mess but you know what mm. you're describing is is that the messiness of life and the yeah the suffering of life actually mm. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. who who wants to be sitting at a gate trying to get people to give you stuff so you can eat your dinner that night? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in that mess, God was there, and I I know that could sound really it can sound so so easy to say and so hard to experience in the worst moments of life. <laughs> you know, you know, you're in that the place you don't want to be, and someone says, "Oh, but God's there," or. Mm. Yeah. God's teaching you something. That was my least favourite, oh. or is my least favourite. You know, yeah. well, he could teach me another way. Yeah, Kate, but it is Kate true. Bowler, it is true. Kate Bowler said that that, um, that she got fed up of the people who, who. This is a woman who had cancer. She she said they divided into the the teachers, uh, who said God's teaching you something. The explainers, who used to say something good will happen out of this, and there was a third thing as well. Oh, there's others worse off or something like. There there were things that people yeah. do, but. But it's all got something in common, which is people can't cope with the reality mm-hmm. yeah. of of just this, what it is. Yeah, brokenness. However, there is healing comes in, in this moment. Mm. I mean, I was intrigued by the fact that, you know, we've just read about 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, people being added every day. The, that must have caused some sort of level of stir around the temple area. Jerusalem isn't that big. And wasn't that big back then, and yet he doesn't seem to know who Peter and John are. Yeah, yeah. As they appear, so is that about you know there is there is an ordinariness and a humbleness to who they are. Is it that he is caught up in his own situation and hasn't hasn't seen what's happening? I I, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I'm not asking a question. I'm just saying it's quite interesting to me. I was going to say that if you know, I, 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 I don't, I, we don't know, but. His life is so focused on just surviving. Uh-huh. Mm. He's maybe not really aware of current issues happening around about him. Mm-hmm. And so it yeah. takes them noticing him for a yeah. difference to come. Yeah. And I think that's quite challenging, isn't it? Yeah. And and they there's this thing where they look at him intensely. Yeah, I was really struck by that. Yeah, verses four and five. Yeah. Peter looks intently at him, as did John. They both did. They both kind of, and then the man looks back at them. There's, so there's this moment of real connection in the in that space, isn't there? Yeah. And Peter says, a, "Look at us." I mean, he, he demand. It's like mm. he's sort of demanding that connection. Yes. The, this has always spoken to me a little bit about when I see people begging. Sometimes, if I don't have cash, the the thing about just not walking past. Yes. As well, it's I mean, very I, difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, I mean, having just been in London last week, it, uh, you're very aware of it, I think, in London. Mm. I'm aware of it in Glasgow, but you know, I think when you're in a strange city, you're more aware. Yeah. It, you know, and, and, and how much is is that not what the person wants? Yeah. Yeah. Is, no- is that part of what they're doing when they say, look at us? They're wanting that connection. So they actually 
mean, how much they're getting to know him in this short space of time, but it's not like waving a magic wand over a mm-hmm. body lying on the ground. It's it's actual human relationship and yeah. knowing what he wants. Because Jesus did that, didn't he? He didn't just, yeah. he asked people, you know, do you want to get well? Or, yes. He spoke to them. He didn't, didn't just throw healing at them. No, no, it's always that. For me, yeah. it feels like it's a rejection of the possibility that one, they'll just walk past, or secondly, that they'll, quotes, just put the alms in and then just move on. It's like, there you go, right, we move on. I've done my bit. It's a refusal for it to be a kind of transactional thing or even an ignoring thing. It's, this is going to be a real connection here. Yes. Although I think I find it, I mean, it's, it's fascinating because I think that look at us, maybe because of the children's song, <laughs> it, it, I, I've always sort of glossed over that and read it as a, well, look at us, we don't have any money, you know, and run uh, those things together. But I don't think that's what, well, be, maybe it's just in my imagination. Silver and song, gold but, have I none. Yes. Doom, mm-hmm. doom. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it is, it is separate. But I think it's interesting what he does say. So silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. So there is very much a sense that it, this is not just... Um, I'm going to make life better, but it's I have been given something, and I am mm. now going to share that with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I suppose it kind of grows through the story that salvation is going to be an important word here. And firstly, salvation is not just we're going to give you a little bit of alms; we're going to heal you. And then later on in chapter four, we're going to discover and chapter three that salvation goes even further than that, that the healing of the body, which is part of salvation, is actually the healing of the whole self, including the soul and sins being forgiven. And and we're going to come to this later, but a season of refreshing. So there's a sense that what the man asks for is relatively small and what he is given turns out to be even more and more as the story mm. goes on. Mm-hmm. So there's a picture in there, isn't there? Yeah. Of the work of the spirit. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to what happens next. So the man, he gets up and he leaps and he praises and then he has to lean on them (laughs) because he's he's a bit tired. Uh, And and everybody's astonished. Everybody comes running. There's a a bit of a kerfuffle emerges. Um, And then Peter begins to speak to those who are there. Also, as an aside, can I just say, I've, I've really noticed in the last couple of weeks, I don't think Peter is ever referred to as Simon Peter from this point, is he? Oh. Peter, my, I think, I meant to look this up actually, yeah. just to double check it. But I think that from Pentecost onwards, we only hear him referred to as Peter. Except when Paul's getting annoyed at him in Galatians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, okay, that's, yeah, fair, fair point. But it's interesting because it's like he's stepping in, he's stepping into his role, isn't he, as the, as the rock? Yeah, I do think there's something about Peter's name. He He's... He's Simon when he's making a mess of things and he's uh-huh. Peter when he's doing well. I do, I do think that's a kind of general trend. So, yeah, so he makes this huge speech, which, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm like, oof, when I read this, because he's he's like, you killed him. He was the Lord of life. And there, there's two things going on here. He He's drawing a massive contrast between Jesus, who he calls the righteous one, the holy one, the author of life, that great irony, the author of life, and you killed him. And then it's, you did this, you did this terrible thing. And it's impossible for me not to read that and think of all the terrible things that I do, my my own sin. I, I've, I feel convicted by this speech mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Peter's. And yet there's something that the moment of greatest realization of our sin is also the moment of greatest realization of grace. And he says that, doesn't he? Repent then and turn mm. to God so that mm. times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and that word refreshing, I think it, it's going back to what we've just talked about previously about about the refreshing. It's the continuation of the work of God. It, so so it's, not, it's not the starting of a new religion. Yeah. Mm. This, this mm. is a continuation of the work. Of, so to me, refreshing sounds like a, mm. a fresh move yeah. within a tradition. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's and then verse twenty and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. I mean he's everything's out there now, isn't it? Now that he's said all this. Yes. Yeah. There's gonna be trouble ahead. Where That's I went not to cue for a song. <laughs> yes, more songs. more songs. So just where I went to back when you were speaking about refreshing as well there, Fiona, is that hymn that of sin the double cure. It's the idea that um not only are we we healed of the wound of sin, 
but then we are given a life beyond that which is more than the life that we had before so it's it's a similar idea i think yeah what you're saying um, and he he seems to be again. I'm intrigued by this. He he seems to have um, an increased ability to draw on on scripture to, mm-hmm. to draw on Old Testament. I mean, we we know that from the end of uh, chapter two that they they gather and they're they're listening to the apostles' mm-hmm. teaching. So there's obviously you know there's almost a kind of a school of theology being formed amongst them, isn't there? But but you know he's he's increasingly confident, isn't he, in how he's speaking. Yes, yeah, so he and he's referring to the Messiah who would suffer. So that seems to point to Isaiah and the the suffering songs. He talks about Samuel uh, speaking of the Messiah, which probably is a reference to the moment when Simon Samuel anoints David. So it points to David. We've got Moses in there, and we're going to have Abraham. So he's drawing together all of the 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 great high points in what might be called salvation history of Abraham, Moses. David and the prophets and he's seeing that Jesus is pointed to by all of them. Yeah when I was reading the bit about the refreshing um, I'd, I've just watched the, the BBC documentary Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland I think that's the title and um, I mean hugely recommend it it's just so well done sensitively done and, and it's just people telling their stories from, from both sides of the troubles from 1968 right through to now well, in the mid-90s of the peace agreement. Um, and so many people tell their stories. And, and there's no judgment on their stories of what they've done or what they haven't done. But there was a few people who had been involved in some terrible acts it, in, in when they were much younger. So most, a lot of the people talking were my age and above. They weren't, they weren't young people. And some of them spoke of something that happened, that they changed and their regret and uh, their sorrow for what acts they'd gone before. In fact, one man spoke about how he was handed a gun when he was 17 and he's now got a 17-year-old granddaughter and all he can imagine handing her is a strawberry milkshake. So it wasn't without humour. But, um, you know, these these wee touches. and um, But you could see in them that through their repentance... And I'm not saying that was always a that wasn't always a Christian thing or a, even a spiritual thing. I don't think they would describe it as that. It's their stories, but there'd been a turning around, a turning away from what had been to what they were now, and you could just see that they were refreshed. Now that didn't mean that everything, all the consequence of the problems had gone. It hadn't, and you could still see and hear the pain of what they'd been through, but they had been refreshed. It, it was very tangible. And so being refreshed isn't, it's not just a sort of nice spirit, I mean, a spiritual airy, sort of airy fairy thing. It was a, it was very real for these people. And I, and I think, you know, when Peter's talking about this, that that refreshment that God gives us when we know forgiveness and restoration and being saved, because I've been thinking a lot about what you said at the last podcast, Neil, about that, that word, being saved, it keeps coming back into my head. And in some ways, these people speaking in that documentary had also been saved. Yeah. So well, well worth a watch. Sorry, Jen. Just, just when I hear you talk, am I right in thinking that the people who you could see a difference in that there was a kind of heaviness to them, whereas the ones who had experienced real forgiveness, there's a kind of there's a lightness, there's a there's a life. Is that is that what you're um, describing? I don't think so because in some ways you could still see that they'd been refreshed uh-huh. from their turning away. But they still carried the heaviness of what had been. Is that is true, isn't it? That we know God's restoration in our lives, but the consequence of what we've done doesn't always just disappear. Yeah, it's from God that refreshing comes in the midst of the pain that we're left with. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things that people had seen and experienced, you're never well. There's healing, but you're still left with stuff, aren't you? Yeah. I'm intrigued in Peter's speech that he doesn't, he's very, he's very pointed in saying you did this thing. It's, it's picking up what you're saying, Jen, about the, the awfulness of the thing. He doesn't try to erase it. And I, I almost wondered if he, was he tempted to say, listen, I'm just as bad. I denied him as well. But he doesn't. He, mm. He's very pointed, isn't mm-hmm. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. And interesting, he also is pointed about the the... the the blessing as well, mm. though, I think. Mm-hmm. So when you read from 24 onwards, when he's talking about Samuel, the prophets, 
heirs of the prophets, covenant made with Abraham. And then he goes back to that, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Mm. So there, there is, there's, there's the, the promise of redemption. He's, he's very direct about the reality of, the, of their actions and the sinfulness of that, but, yeah. but he's also reminding them. Yeah. I yeah. think that underlying reminding of, of God's promise in that and God's love in that. Yeah. He, all the way through, doesn't he? He says, does he say at one point you might be cut off, but then later on he says, towards the end, when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your mm-hmm. wicked ways. So he's also pointing to hope for these people. Mm. And then later on, we discover there's 5,000 of them who respond to that. So that's 5,000 people, many of whom participated in the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the day that they got saved. Yeah, well, yes. It's a, you're talking about chapter 4. So verse 4 says, many who had the message believed. Mm-hmm. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So it, I mean, I'm nitpicking here, but it doesn't say 5,000 conversions. It says that it, the number grew to 5,000. Oh, sorry. So in, in my no, version, it says, but many of those who heard the word believed and they numbered about 5,000. So oh. that would seem to apply that it's the people who believed at that point. Yeah, yeah. That'll I mean, it's, it's, I mean, regardless of nitpicking, it's, it, it's exponential growth, isn't it? Yeah. From, from Pentecost through to this point. So, so this is happening. And yet, the, sorry if yeah. you're, and yet they've mm-hmm. just been thrown in jail. You know, so there's huge growth, but mm-hmm. Peter and John are now in jail for the night. Well, they're yes, that's well, yeah, about to move on to that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this is happening in the, in the temple courts. Is that right? They've crossed in through the beautiful gate, and, and of course, word gets out, and then and then some of these, it feels like the Buddhist characters of the the Easter narrative pop up again, isn't it? So Annas, the high priest, is there. Caiaphas, John, Alexander, others, the high priest family. So this kind of cabal, who are the, the ruling, authorities, begin to sense that something is up. John Stock goes further. He he argues that if the prime mover in chapters one to three is the Holy Spirit, then chapters four onward is the response of Satan. It, and he says, although Satan's only mentioned explicitly in chapter five, he, he sees the power, the dark power, moving against the apostles through these rulers and authorities and so on. And, and we'll begin to explore that. I mean, we're stopping today at, at 31, but we'll, you know, as we go on into chapter five, chapter six, Chapter seven, we'll begin to see that played out in the, the you know, the work of the evil one within individuals, but also, also in terms of kind of broader persecution, won't we? So there's a turning point happens here. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, no. There is, there's a definite. It's almost like, a, it's almost like the the Holy Spirit makes these great inroads, and then it's like this this striving of the kingdoms again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. Yeah, we've talked about that. I want to. Just before we move on to the the rest of chapter four, just to talk about healing. Yeah. Because I was very inspired reading this to go back again and look at a book that probably has affected my ministry as much as any other, which is uh, a book that's out of print now. It's called The Forgotten Talent by uh, an old minister called Cameron Petty. Cameron Petty was a minister in the Gorbals just after the Second World War. And the he was about... Um, he was in his mid-50s, I think, when this happened. He um, had an acute, I think it was appendicitis. It was a, a very, very painful condition, but it meant he had to spend the night in the old Victoria Hospital in Glasgow. And in the bed next to him, another man lay writhing in pain and in agony. And Cameron Petty was overcome with acute sense of inadequacy because he wanted to be able to offer this man something as a Christian minister, and he couldn't. And the man died in the bed next to him. But for the next five years, Cameron Petty, for an hour a day between 11 o'clock at night and midnight, used to pray for the gift of healing to be made, to be given to the, the church. I think it was the church in Glasgow. And I think also he said he wanted to be made willing to, if he was to be part of that, for him to be part of that. And it, he kept praying. Nothing happened after year three. He kept praying for year four, year five. And then eventually year five, he had a number of moments over a period of six months where suddenly he felt this gift being given to him by God. And he he knew a deep sense. One of them, the first one, I think, happened when he was at the kitchen sink, I think, doing mm-hmm. the dishes. It was very ordinary. But he had this profound sense that God was with him. But then he he didn't know, how am I, how am I going to do this? 
and he, how am I going to announce myself as a healer? But uh, a few, I think it was a few weeks later, he was with a friend uh, who, who was, here's, get this, an ecclesiastical journalist, you don't get many Excellent. of them these days, and his wife, who had a, 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 a very bad heart condition. She had poor hearing in one ear and she had rheumatism. And they were talking and the woman was talking about just how debilitating this was. I think she was in bed a lot of the time. In fact, I think she was in bed when this happened with her husband there. And she turned to Cameron Petty and she said, I believe that you can heal me. So Cameron Petty said, I actually believe I can. And he laid hands on this woman. And remember for Cameron Petty, he'd always been taught that the the preaching part of the apostles' ministry had been given to the church, but not really in the healing part. Mm-hmm. But he believed it now did. He laid hands on this woman and he said that he would have many healings over the years, but this was the the only time this happened. This woman was bathed in light. Wow. And he saw that. And then actually when he laid hands on her, it made her worse. It made her more painful. But he he kept laying the hands because he felt he was drawing out a deep pain from within her. Mm-hmm. And then she was miraculously healed. Um, mm-hmm. The heart condition improved. Um, the hearing in her bad ear became better than the hearing in her other ear. Mm-hmm. And the, the, rheumat- the rheumatism also got better. And that led to a remarkable series of healings in Cameron Petty's life. But for me, that that story just reminds me that healing is part of, I do believe, is part of the church's ministry today. And that thing that was first discovered by Peter and John, I think that's the first person that they heal, isn't it? Um, in the whole of Acts. Um, they, that would, that, that's just a profound ministry that I think still exists. And I, I know there are lots of questions about that, about why are some people healed and, and other people not. Um, there's the danger of creating false expectation as happened in that that a clip that was sent to my friend but I still believe that with boldness we need to own this ministry Mm. what you're describing there Neil to me also um I I sometimes think when we talk about healing we think of a a one-off not a one-off but a you know know, it's a it's an in the moment thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for, for the person who's praying for the healing I mean but what you're describing there is is a is a an undergirding of of prayer mm-hmm. and and persistent prayer. Yeah, you know, yeah. describing that that he didn't think anything was happening, but he kept going at it. I think I think that's important, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? no, there is consistent, but I think also the acts of healing, and they have happened in different ways. The first one, ironically for me, happened in the Victoria Infirmary, in the same place that Cameron Petty had been in. I think I've told you this before, there was a woman called Margaret who wanted the elders to anoint her in the way that it's talked about in James. Now, she had a very advanced hip cancer and and she died later on, but we anointed her with oil and later on the staff said to us, what did you do in that room there? Because whenever we go into that room, we, we feel something different. Uh, another man uh, that I prayed for, he died uh, two weeks after I prayed for him, but his his widow later on said, the only night that he didn't have pain was the night that you you mm-hmm. prayed for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, or another guy who I think is who used to get ill every day on Boxing Day, and one day I I went up uh, to um, Hermeyer's in East Kilbride and I prayed for him, and I don't think he's been ill on Boxing Day since. So there are these moments. You're you're right. It's a general prayer, but also these specific moments can really change people. So that and it and it does play into what you know what you mentioned in terms of of John Stott's outlining of what's happening in in this chapter doesn't it because these things are when when the power of the spirit is at work there there is a backlash isn't there and and that's what we see happening here that there, there's the power of those who would who would want to shut it down so they, they recognize that that they're unschooled they recognize the courage of peter and john they realize that they're ordinary men they're astonished um and and they kind of don't know what to do with it do they so there's a, it feels as though there's a kind of grasping of you, you need to stop talking about this you need to stop doing this we need to control this situation. Just quite struck by the what all that Neil said there, um, be, because we know that there's so much more to talk about about healing. But um, I, I'm interesting that every time you spoke about those people, Neil, you said for most of them they died later on, mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. some ways that's the context, isn't it, of healing in this world that we're all going to die later on. Yeah. Even though we pray for these moments of healing. 
it's quite a lot to think about in that one. But that's an aside. I was wondering, did the did what annoyed all these people who come and arrest Peter and John? Is it the healing, or is it what they've said? It, it's what they've said, hasn't it? It's because they're proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. The healing's kind of incidental. Yeah. The big problem is what they're saying. Yes. And yet Peter, when he begins to speak about it, he, he brings it back he does, to the healing. Yeah. Are we being yeah. called to account for yeah. an act of kindness? It's interesting, is that he doesn't say that. It's an act of kindness to a man who was lame. I, which feels very Jesus-like. Yeah. I, I think the heart of it is in the, the Sam quotation that the believers pray later on at the end of chapter four. It's almost as if there's an unveiling of what's really going on here. And the Psalm quotation, is it Psalm 2 or Psalm 110? I always get those two. Psalm 2. Is Psalm 2. Why do the Gentiles rage? Which is interesting because they're not dealing specifically with Gentiles at the moment. They're dealing with the Jewish authorities. And the peoples imagine vain, empty things. And this this also takes me to things like secularism, the ideas that we can do without God. And then this is seen as a conflict about power. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And it's almost as if this is a contest for power that, that's going on. And I think you're right. It's not the healing per se that's the problem. It's the potential that this is going to lead for a, to a loss of power to these authorities. Mm-hmm. Good. Anything else we want to say in that, that sort of middle section about what's, what's... I mean, we will come back to this this persecution theme over the coming weeks, I know. It was the, the ordinary people, which you, you kind of mentioned a wee minute ago there, Fiona, that, that they were unschooled. Mm. You know, that, that, where is that? What verse is that? That is verse 13 of chapter 4. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. They'd been, but they'd been with Jesus. Yes. And, so they were schooled. Yeah. And again... Some of my experiences in the past few months, I couldn't do anything for various reasons for Jesus. And I, I, I really like when I do things well and I've thought things through. I was thinking of Peter Pan when he says, oh, the cleverness of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I, I often think that, you know, I'm like, oh, that was really good. I was really clever. I created that thing or I wrote that thing or whatever. Um, but when you're unwell or whatever other things hit you in life you know and you can't do anything i was just it's all about jesus there's just me and jesus there's nothing else here and when i come to the end of my life it'll just be me and jesus Mm -hmm. yeah and if it's not about me and jesus then i should really give up doing the stuff and it's just that and, and that's what was seen in peter and john it wasn't about them or their experience or their learning they had been with jesus Imagine, imagine if that's what people say about me, you know. Oh, she's been with Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Not that she did this great thing, or she wrote this good thing, or she created this great resource. She's been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And and in the worst times of life, and in the best times of life, that's what really matters. That we're with Jesus. Where that takes me is when you were talking, Jen. It's just you're so right, and and yet how often do I get entranced again by the by the the learning and then Fiona when you were talking and saying you know the people who stand against it I, I've just rebuked and went you know how often have I been that person mm. mm-hmm. yes and that and that's a danger as, as we get older as well mm. <laughs> we're, again we're coming back to a theme we've talked about before there's a danger as you go on I think in the Christian walk that that you yeah. become jaded and, and and dismissive of those who are you know we might describe as unschooled and ordinary yeah those youngins um, yeah not not clever and extraordinary like us P- peter must have peter and john must have been in their 20s when this happened do you think yeah 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 if they're yeah. 17 18, 17 when they were called by jesus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. early it's 20s remarkable, isn't it it's remarkable um, I'm aware of time and we're going to we're going to draw things to a close so I'm in a moment I'm going to ask you for your takeaways um, but just one thing that struck me reading on from verse 23 into that section Neil that you mentioned with the, the Psalm 2 bit I think it's really interesting is that the, when, when they get out and they go back to the other believers they're not sort of praying for protection or you know praying 
fearfully, but there's they are once again raising their voices together <laughs> in praise, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And and utterly calling on the sovereignty of God. There's no there's no doubt yeah. that God is still sovereign, despite the fact they've just been in the prison and having to give an account to mm. what were probably quite terrifying people, I would imagine. Yeah. And then the, the Holy Spirit fills them again. Yeah. And the room's yeah. shaking again. Yeah. Yeah. Happens again. A little reminder, isn't it? Remarkable. Good. Uh, we will pick some of this up again next time because next time we're going to read on from the from verse 32 of chapter 4. Um, what are your takeaways, though, from, from today? Jen? Oh, <laughs> so many things. <laughs> so many things. I, I think it has to be being with Jesus. At the moment, I feel quite well, and uh, that's good. But life isn't always going to be like that, and I need to focus on being with Jesus, whatever my external, internal circumstances. Yes. Whether well, ill, it's like the marriage vows, sickness and health. <laughs> yes, it is. It is like marriage vows. Um, that that's what it's all about. Every day, making sure I'm with Jesus. Yeah, that's thank you. That's Sounds very simple, but it's quite difficult. Yeah, simple, but yeah, simple but complex. That's where we started this. This is a simple account of a healing, but it's a complex situation. Neil, um, what Jen just said. <laughs> we'll let you away with that. Being with Jesus. Well, it puts me in the position where it now feels bad. I feel challenged about um, resp- the response to the healing, actually. The stuff we were talking about there just now, just about the those who were schooled and thought highly of themselves. You're um, worried that you might be that person at times. No, I, I recognise it in myself at times. Yeah, quite yeah, quick to to dismiss others or or yeah. Uh, it's not even dismissing. I think it's sometimes it is it is a, a cynicism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you know who I am? Yes. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? When I have that thought in my head, I know there's a problem. <laughs> yes. Well, indeed. <laughs> true it's true it is true um lovely well listen thank you very much to both of you uh next time we're going to be discussing acts 432 through to 6 verse 7 so that's the rest of chapter 4 whole of chapter 5 and then um the first seven verses of chapter 6 but before that it is before we finish rather it is time for our newest segment what's the gen What's the gen? Trying to keep up with reports, trends, research findings and the latest thoughts? No time to read or listen to all that valuable content? Look no further. What's the gen will keep you up to date, in touch and on the ball. What's the gen? Your guide to current thinking. Now, I'm aware that this um, this bit of research I'm going to talk about, I did talk about fairly recently in the previous segment, which, Jen's Gems, I think it was called, Um but I want to reiterate again, and anyway, you might have missed that episode, so it may be new to you as you listen. Um, so Darren Phillip, Phillips, actually, um, is a, was a youth worker uh, in a church, a united congregation of different denominations in Scotland. I don't, I don't say that because he's not with us anymore, he is, but he's doing a different job at the Church of Scotland. But he did this research when he was in his youth ministry position. And it was a significant piece of work on what it means to be intergenerational in the church. Um, and also it's good to emphasise it today because there's now a webinar that that Darren did that's available online, which will be in the show notes. Um, and it's he did that for the Church of Scotland. So it is very Church of Scotland focused because that's the audience he was speaking to. So just remember when, that when you if you listen to it. But he, he basically... He doesn't just summarise his research. He he looks at how we can be more intergenerational as a church, and that's freely available. It is from twenty twenty, so it's a wee bit sort of lockdownish, but I don't think too much. I think we can take it out of that. But uh, there's just four things that Darren uh, focuses on in the research about um, the the now and the future of our churches around intergenerational ministry. So he says we have to move from teaching children and adults to helping us experience God, which I think actually ties in really well with what we've just been talking about. Um, we have to move from intergenerational experiences being one-offs, occasional, to being our default position. That's what we do more and we occasionally split up. 
we have to move from the inequality that we often find in our churches between children and adults and set a more equal platform or stage for us all to be listened to and to learn from each other. And we need to stop thinking about making relationships so that something happens. Right? We'll get to know them so they become Christians or we'll get to know them so they can do this and just focus on knowing each other and building those relationships, which actually ties into look at me, I think, from Acts chapter three. So that's Darren Philip, and we'll put the link for the webinar, um, which is a, a brilliant list. It didn't take too long, maybe an hour uh, to watch and listen. It's very helpful. Super. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Darren Phillips. Good. We will look out for that. Uh, lots of things in the show notes today. Uh, it might be that we put that stuff out on social media as well. Well, listen, thank you both very much once again for joining us. Next time we'll be discussing Acts 4.32 through to 6.7. Join us then. The Outspoken Bible is a podcast from Scottish Bible Society. To find ways you can share the Bible, go to scottishbiblesociety.org.